All right. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. Um, so the, the camera and all that stuff down there, I'm not just doing that just because I'm up here today. Um, I've got that set up. I, I, I think for right now, I'm just using audiovisual uh, equipment uh, to record sermons and stuff. But for right now, I'm just using the old GoPro and uh, my laptop to record. And so like I said, last week's sermon was on there. And so before the sermons, you'll see me jumping up there doing that until we get things going. But uh, otherwise, looks like I'm your preacher today. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I'm kind of thinking uh, John's going to be regretting inviting me to come up here to do this. But um, I, first off, wanted to, to start with just a little bit of a shout-out, not only to John, but just preachers across the world. Because I, I tried to come up with all this stuff to talk about, and I've got to have my notes here. And I see John, and he's up here talking, and he's walking around, and he doesn't hold anything in his hands a lot of times. And it's just amazing to me that people can come up with something to, to say week in and week out. And it's, I mean, it's taken me several weeks, if not months, to figure out what I was going to say just for today. And so when you have preachers that come up with something to say for 30 minutes every single week, that's, I think, pretty remarkable. So credit out to them. But uh, otherwise, who in a million years would have thought that I'd be up here giving a sermon today? Not me, that's for sure. And uh, I told my brother a couple weeks ago, just kind of joking, that uh, the first couple rows here... You guys might want to watch out because that's going to be the zap zone today. Kind of like when you go to SeaWorld and they've got the splash zone. The animals come up and splash you. So if I say something real silly and God smites me with a lightning bolt, y'all are probably going to get zapped right there in the front. Um, so I'm not, I'm not qualified to, to preach. I'm not really qualified to uh, be a preacher at all. About the only thing I'm qualified to do is talk about teeth and proper oral hygiene and taking care of your braces, but uh, I thought that uh, maybe just sharing a little bit of a story uh, through my journey of Christianity might be able to help somebody. Um, it's going to be pretty personal. I'm not really going to quote scripture or anything, um, but I am going to share some things that uh, probably nobody knows, uh, not even Erica, until she kind of looked over some of my notes the other day. I certainly think uh, some of the things might be a little shocking that I reveal, uh, but, you know, hopefully... In the end, it'll, it'll help somebody. So you can call this a testimonial, if you will. Uh, but first off, we'll start with a prayer. So if you would join me. God, thanks so much for the opportunity to be here today and for me to be able to share some life experience that uh, this could help at least one person out there to find you. And I pray that your words will flow through inspirational. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, let's get to it. So, I said earlier that I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be up here talking to you all, and that is so true. And I've shared this story before, I think, at a call to worship, but, uh, you know, I started coming to Mundell when I was about 15 because the prettiest girl in school invited me over and said that she would come to my family dinners on Sundays and uh, come over to my parents' house after church, and so... I did, and she did, and um, I think a lot of you know that, but what you don't know is what was going through my mind 20 years ago when I was sitting back in the pews, and my mom's back there, and she's probably all like, oh my gosh, what's he about to say? Oh no. Uh, but to be honest with you, the 15-year-old Baron that was sitting back there wasn't focused on God or what John was saying, and not only did I have the attention span of an over-caffeinated hummingbird, but uh, there's no other way to say it, and I don't want to say it, but... I was a full-blown, smart-aleck, know-it-all atheist at 15 years old. Oh my gosh, oh no, can you believe that? Yeah, I know that's what you're all thinking probably, but that's the truth. 
and I never wanted to share it. Uh, this is the first time sharing it, and um, I was afraid I was going to get kicked out of town, judged, hated, uh, but I stuck with coming to church, and you're probably like, well, why in the world would you do that if you didn't believe in this stuff? Well, um, just to give you a little bit more of an idea of where I was coming from, this is another one of these things that I'm very, very ashamed to admit, but it was the truth over 20 years ago, and we were sitting and I think it may have been in the other, in the other building, but uh, John was up here talking about abortion killing babies. And I specifically remember literally sitting in the pews and I rolled my eyes because I was one of those people that thought a 16-week-old baby was just a clump of cells. And we're going to come back to that topic, but I just wanted to share it now just so you'll know where I was coming from back then. There was another time, for example, that I was praying every single day for weeks because I thought that God was a genie who just granted wishes. Um, I thought that uh, I could pray for weeks that B&L might finally beat Bloomington South in football. And we ended up getting beat about 650 to nothing. I think we had 15 turnovers. I long snapped the ball over the punter's head, and it was a complete disaster. And I remember after the game thinking to myself, well, gee, God, thanks a lot for that. Way to give me some faith by a good old drubbing by the team we hate the most. So, yeah, it was later that I finally ended up realizing that um, there's more to, you know, faith and, um, than, and prayer than, than God granting wishes. And he's not a genie. So, why did this eye-rolling, smart-aleck teenager keep coming to church? And at the time, the only reason was because of my now wife, Erica. And I believe that uh, she thinks that I was head over heels for her at a really young age. I don't know if it was love at that time. I continue to insist that it was, but, you know, I don't know. But I kept coming to church. And my mindset and just general belief continued through high school. And um, I didn't share it with her because I was afraid that me doing that would have scared her away. But my mindset continued through college. And um, I just, I, I think that... Uh, being in the mindset that I was in back then, there, there's one word that can be absolutely catastrophic for faith. It's the dastardly D word, doubt. I'm still very much somebody who doubts things, but um, back then I, I questioned everything. I, I tried to find the exception to everything. I said, this is a dumb example, but I would have doubted that glass was, uh, a glass of milk was white after, you know, tipping up a glass of Oreos, and a little bit, the smart aleck in me would be thinking, well, the particles from the Oreos break off and make it a little bit gray and not exactly white. So, like I said, that's a dumb example, but the point is I doubted everything and questioned everything and tried to find the exception to everything. I was thinking back then, you know, if God knew that Jesus was going to be the Savior all along, why did we spend so much time early on sacrificing lambs and burning fat and all that stuff? If God created man, how do you explain evolution, which we're going to get on here in just a little bit? Why in the world is, the, is Earth the only habitable planet in the entire ginormous cosmos? And how do you explain the Big Bang, all that stuff? Um, I remember seeing an article when I was in college, and the details left me a long time ago, but uh, I read somewhere that scientists created life forms from basically nothing in a lab. And I remember at the time reading that, thinking to myself, these scientists were all like, yeah, take that, God, whatever. We can do your job. That's not so hard. So let me just say that things for me have changed quite a bit from that attitude. So earlier I said something about how I rolled my eyes when John was talking about abortions killing babies. And John, 
I am really sorry for ever feeling that way, but let's just say I don't feel that way anymore. And before I start, I do think I want to clarify that there's, there's gray areas in everything. And primarily what I'm talking about is abortion is a form of conventional birth control. And I know there's you know, miscarriages and things like that, but I'm just going to leave it at that. And so my thought process all changed back when I was, I think I was in dental school. And we went to an exhibit at the convention center called Bodies. A lot of you may have heard of it, or maybe some of you even visited it. But uh, it was basically an entire convention center filled with dissected bodies. For example, one of the exhibits, they showed a human body with just the skin removed. So underneath, you could see all the muscles and fat. You know, they had the bodies posed in certain positions and stuff. Uh, One of the exhibits, which I thought was really neat, was they took an entire body of just blood vessels They took out the skin, the muscles, the organs, the the bones, everything. And from your toes up to the head, it showed what the the human uh, blood vessels looked like. And they had veins in blue and all the oxygenated blood vessels in red. And I just, I thought that one was particularly really neat. Uh, Another one, they showed the geographical areas of the brain, just kind of showing you what works where. And uh, I'm not going to get into the ethics of that particular exhibit because I know there was some controversy that popped up later about how they got those bodies. and I don't know for sure. But the point is, as a young learning person of science, I thought it was pretty fascinating. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, from what I can remember, it seemed like about the first 90% of that entire exhibit was adult bodies. And so we get to the end, and there was kind of a room off to itself. And at that point, I had been desensitized to seeing cadavers. We had uh, dissected human bodies in anatomy class, and that was actually one of my favorite classes in dental school. We dissected things thoroughly, picking out all the nerves and everything. We've got to know all that stuff to be a dentist for some reason. <laughs> um, but, you know, the point is I had seen that stuff. Um, but up to that point, I had never seen a human child like that. And I remember being in that room, and I was just frozen. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. It was almost like I was in a trance. And it was something I'll never, ever, ever forget. And I remember there was up against the wall a glass case, and they showed a series of several human babies. And the first one was a couple weeks old. The next one was a couple weeks older. The next one was a couple weeks older, and so on. And I remember just standing there like this. I don't know how long. I, I just stood there, it seemed like forever. And I was just numb. And we hear in movies and TV shows all the time about a singular moment in somebody's life where something has changed. And I think when I was standing there looking at those six-week-old human children, something just clicked, it snapped in me. And it was a moment in my life when I realized, that's a baby. That's a human right there. And as an aside, I think it's pretty telling when Mindy is telling us that 99 plus percent of these young women who see the heartbeat of their unborn child decide not to have an abortion. And to think for me that after seeing my own family go through the miracle of conception and birth that I ever would have thought that a human baby was just one lump of lifeless, soulless cells and tissue, it just makes me feel like I am the one who is soulless and just a clump of tissue. And it makes me feel horrible to ever think that I was like that, but there are people like that now, and I just, with me talking to all of you, hopefully they can go through a journey like me. But it didn't stop there, but I do think that was my first step towards accepting uh, Christianity. 
So next, I want to talk about the Baron who was and still is a person of science. Science. Science is back, everybody. I don't know if you see the news. That's getting all over the news, and people are saying that uh, it's time to believe in science again. And I do believe in science. I love science. It's uh, always been one of my favorite subjects in school, and I've had my fair share of science. Um, you know, we talked about anatomy already. I loved anatomy. Um, it's one of my favorite subjects still. Um, I wanted to say, too, though, unless you count badminton and fencing, which I took in college, those were pretty awesome classes, but science has pretty much always been my favorite. Uh, but there's a lot of things in science that I like that are absolute. You, you can't argue. I mean, anatomy is anatomy. You can't argue against anatomy. And, you know, a lot of other things, we've got experimentation. You can do things over and over and over and get the same result. Uh, physics, for example, you know, we can't see gravity, but we know it exists thanks to repeatable experimentation. And thanks to Mr. Wisely over there, big shout out to him. I've always loved chemistry. He was my first chemistry teacher, and uh, I, I just I have a fascination with chemistry. It's just awesome. You know, you can mix chemical uh, ingredients together, and you've got equations, and those form compounds and, and such, and it's, it's repeatable and consistent. Other things rely on theory, which, in a way, is a belief in something that's based on evidence. Sometimes there's a lot of evidence. Sometimes there's not as much. But believing in something that uh, doesn't have definitive proof beyond a shadow of a doubt, it sounds like faith, doesn't it? It, didn't. it seems kind of crazy, but I feel like the more I learned, the more I realized what I didn't know, how clueless I was. And, uh, you know, one of the things scientists will tell you that the universe began with the Big Bang Theory and cosmic inflation and all that stuff. And all matter in the universe began as this blob that exploded and it continues to expand to this day. But that's it, right? That, prove, that disproves God, right? Because the universe is expanding? Well, that's neat and all, but what happened before that explosion? What happened before that? What happened before that? The point is, there's theories for it, but the fact is... We do not know. Period. End of story. We don't know. People think they know, but they don't know. And you can have all the faith in the world in science, but the fact is, nobody knows for sure that they can prove how the universe began. Besides, who's to say God didn't put that glob together and make it explode? I don't know. Scientists a lot smarter than me don't know for sure, but... The point is, we put a lot of faith in what we want to believe. So, that kind of leads into Darwin's theory of evolution. Oh. I don't think anybody can argue that animals and humans are changing to a degree. Changing, evolving, I don't know. Not necessarily that we're coming from monkeys, but, you know, things change. Uh, one of Gar uh, Darwin's Galapagos bird studies, they showed that, um, you know, these finches, these birds on these islands, um, they had different features based on the different foods and environments that were on those islands. And so, you know, that provided some evidence that uh, these birds evolved to fit their environment and the food. And uh, some might say that they made those birds different to suit the different islands. But there's more to it than that. I know humans have changed. We're staying alive longer. Based on what we know, humans are now taller than what we were hundreds of years ago. So in that regard, humans, to a degree, are evolving. Like I said, that doesn't mean we came from monkeys, but we're changing. 
It's also logical to think, though, that perhaps apes and humans are somehow closely related and may have come from a common ancestor. But the problem is we do not know for sure. Fact, period. We do not have a definitive evolutionary lineage that traces human beings back all the way to a single-celled bacteria. We don't have it, all right? There's evidence to suggest that maybe that's what happened, but scientists think that humans came from primitive organisms, but they cannot prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Part of being a scientist is questioning everything. But if you think about it, sit down and think about it, science does rely on a degree of faith. In a way, atheists, they have faith in what they believe. We can believe that the universe started with a random blob of mass, but we don't know. We can believe that humans came from single-celled organisms, but we don't know. Now, I still question things in the Bible. Sure, that doesn't mean I don't believe in them, but I ask questions. The Bible that you guys have, it wasn't written by God himself. I don't think he had some sort of golden typewriter that he wrote it. Oh, that'd be cool if he did, but I don't think he did. It just seems like yesterday I was sitting out there thinking to myself, I can't help it. I, I can't just start believing. I can't do it. I've got too much doubt. I've got too many questions. There's not definitive proof. How can I just start believing in something without having a, a, a definitive proof beyond a shadow of a doubt? And so that just kind of brings me towards the, towards the end. And this might seem kind of basic, but eventually I just got to a point to where I wanted to believe in Christianity. I believe now that Jesus is the Savior and that there is a God. Because that's what I want to believe. We have a Bible that tells us what happened. And I know this is going to sound crazy. You guys might stone me when this is over. But how do we know there aren't at least some errors in the Bible from human beings writing it down or translating it? I hope that's not the case. And I know that might seem blasphemous. But, you know, I, I have come to accept the fact that I do have doubt and I do ask questions. And I feel like there's, there's nothing wrong with asking those questions as long as your faith overcomes that doubt, which now it does. Doubt is such an awful, dastardly D-word, like I said. And kind of sort of the opposite of, of doubt is dogma, another D-word. It's a, a very broad way to, to simply define it as basically a belief in something that you do not ever question. And I know there's more to it than that, but I'm just kind of speaking in general here. So you've got doubt, and then you've got the opposite of doubt, which is dogma. And I said, I personally, I, I just can't help but question thing, things sometimes. And it's, it's not really a choice. I just, it's just up here, you know. And there's sometimes that I, I question the dogma. And I know for a fact that there's people out there just like me. When, there's, when they've got somebody like me and somebody forces information upon them without a thorough explanation, they reject it. There might be millions of people out there like that. I don't know. But if any of you are listening today, I would just say, look at my experience. I've come to terms with the fact that I will never have all of the precise answers until I face my maker. And that's okay, because I still believe. I believe that the universe was, and, and humans were created. And I believe that Jesus was sent to save us all. Maybe he was sent to save us not just from sin, but from doubt. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention something about teeth, but on my way over here, I didn't have this written down. I just kind of winging this part of it. I was just thinking how crazy it is. If you kind of think about it, Jesus is kind of like a toothbrush in a way. Sin and doubt are kind of like 
plaque that just continues to build up on your teeth. You can't help it. No matter what, you brush your teeth, plaque and gunk is going to continue to build up in your mouth. And just like human nature, you know, we, we sin. We do. I don't know if doubt is the same thing as sin. Maybe it is. But maybe it's, it's part of us. But it's gonna, just like that toothbrush, it's going to wash it all away and clean it up. That toothbrush is going to clean up that plaque and get it away. But it's going to continue to build back up again, which is why you've got to continue to brush your teeth. And just like Jesus, maybe you've got to keep talking to him. Every time you talk to him and realize that you believe in him, it's going to just wash it all away. Science and faith, I believe they, they can coexist. And one doesn't necessarily have to disprove the other. Saying that you believe in science rather than God, it doesn't make you smarter than people of faith. Because I believe in both. I believe in Christianity because that's what I want to believe. And guess what? I wouldn't be up here right now as a proud Christian if it weren't for Erica. And uh, she gets way more credit than she realizes, not just for being an amazing mom and wife, but uh, she's a Christian who brought one person down that path of salvation. Hopefully, the two of us can lead more souls down that same path. But she's the reason that I wanted to believe. And Sarah and Drew, mom and dad, you should be so super proud of her. It was her birthday a couple days ago, too, so be sure to wish her a happy birthday. She's 29 for the seventh time. Uh, so I'll tell you what. The more I wanted to believe, the more I just felt deep down that I did believe. And I know that sounds crazy, but more and more I just felt a tangible difference inside. Something that I could feel inside and out. It's hard to explain, but those of you who've been down that path and have accepted Jesus, I, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. For me, wanting to believe just plain led to believing. And I know that sounds simple, but there's been way too many instances in my life that are just completely indescribable. I look at and I think to myself, that's God working right there. Whether it's the amazing complexity and strength of the human body to the absolutely amazing wonders of nature. Again, I still believe in science, but I believe God is responsible for it. And I don't just see it now. I feel it. I believe it. So Erica was the one that brought me to that door of salvation. My want to believe opened that door. And from there, I fell into a bottomless pit of faith and salvation. And I can't get out. I believe in it. I still do. I believe strongly in it. And I think that you can too, if you want to.